Welcome leaders. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. Quick question. Okay, maybe a few questions. When's the last time you recognized or celebrated your personal success? What about the success of your team members? Do you remember the last time you said thank you? If you can't remember the last time you expressed gratitude to others or recognized your personal accomplishments, I'm going to challenge you to make this a higher priority. One option is to reach out to Leadership Excursion Company and schedule a team building excursion for your team. Invest in yourself by attending a manager training session to strengthen your leadership skills, no matter your title. Carve time out to both celebrate and recognize. If you're looking for ideas or are interested in scheduling a free consultation to discuss your needs, visit leadershipexcursion.co. Today, we welcome John Hawkins to the show where he shares a personal story of what it felt like the first time he received a thank you at work. It was life-changing for him. John is a longtime friend of mine whom I have the utmost respect for. On this podcast, we discuss the importance of having people who support you. And for me, John is one of my people. He's a person I reach out to when I have a question about my business or anything website or podcast related. He's well known in the WordPress community as Vegas Geek, is the host of the Hawk Talk podcast. And in this episode, we get real and cover some tough topics, including imposter syndrome and battling depression. We also talk about work friendships and what happens when you inject empathy into any situation as a leader. And with that, we welcome you to the Leadership Looks Like podcast. Join us as we explore personal stories of leaders who are making an incredible impact in their businesses, lives, and communities. Get ready to be inspired, see things from a new perspective, and learn new tools to help overcome challenges. This is what leadership looks like. John, welcome. Welcome. It's so good to see you. This is awesome. I'm very excited. This is awesome. Um, Man, we've known each other for so long. This is, every single time that we bring that up, I'm just, I'm amazed at, uh, so we're at that point now, like on Facebook, when they show like your memories and it's like, this happened on this day, this happened on this day. I'm starting to get stuff from like 11 years ago. And I'm like, I knew that person 11 years ago. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. But it's longer because Facebook wasn't even around when we. Right. When we first met. Yeah. It's just so nice. um when I think back in time, I do two things. One is I'll think of like um a song. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll I'll correlate something to a song sure. to to you know check history. And now what I do is I'll look back at when certain social media platforms have launched <laughs> and like how you know how I was connected to that person. Yeah. 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 So like Friendster days or oh, yeah. you know, um MySpace days or when the, Twitter launched. The dying of MySpace. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the dying of MySpace. And then everybody went to Facebook. So. Yeah. Um, but anyways, you know, we used to work at, at a company. And what's interesting for me personally about the way I met you, mm-hmm. um, and something I want to talk to you about too today, is before I went to work for The Selling Source, which is where we met. Yep. We worked for Cubis, which was a, a business unit under the Selling Source umbrella. One of many, yes. One of many. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went, 
when I applied for that job and then I went to go work there, I had never worked in an environment where everybody was also so close. Mm. Everybody became such great friends. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those working environments that we always hope to have. Right. You know, and um, I think you were you were a manager of the group. I wasn't at the time. Mm. I was kind of one of the newbies. And I wanted to just pick your brain about uh, those types of relationships. It's a question I get a lot in our training is, you know, especially when you're transitioning from a team member to a manager or mm-hmm. when you are a manager, you know, how do you handle those personal relationships and keep it separate from like business? Yeah. Uh- First off, I think that is one of the most important things that you can do is especially, so that company was weird. Well, that company was weird. (laughs) We know that. Um, But, you know, when I started there, there was two of us. There was me and the boss. That was it. And his wife was doing some accounting stuff, but it was just he and I. Weren't you working out of the garage or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, initially we were working remotely. Like I was in California, or we were both in California. And then we moved to Nevada and we worked out of a little spot and then we moved out of into their house and that was a whole thing. Um, but you know, over time that we, we went from being a two person company, which was interesting then up to about five. And then about at about the time when it got to be about a dozen is when things kind of started to do that hockey stick thing. And we went from 12 to like 36 pretty quickly. And you know, when you're bringing in that many people, it's it can be tough. I mean, it, it's so hard to just watch a company grow. But like, I feel like the interpersonal things are. Uh, I always say that this is kind of how I built my my uh, entire career. Was I was able to be uh, to go into a room and talk to the boss and take what he says he needs. And or he would say what he wanted. And then I could go and speak to the engineers and tell them, okay, here's what he said he wants, but let's go build this because this is really what he needs. And so for me, it was always super important to keep a very personal, very low key. And I mean, that's just the way that I am anyway. I'm a very laid back guy. We were just talking about that before the, before you hit record. Um but I think that that's super important. And what ends up happening is I'm building trust in the people that I'm working with because I'm building friendships. We were obviously we were all friends outside of work. And so it made it very easy. Um, if I had to deliver bad news, it wasn't like I was coming in, throwing a bomb into the room and then just taking off. They knew that I would be there. Like if I had to deliver some bad news, they knew that I was going to be there to also chip in and try to get that stuff done. And so I could come in and have that friendly relationship, but I could still, when needed, go, guys, we're probably going to have to put in a little bit of extra time. Um, and that company, we did that a lot, especially at the beginning when it was growing. I mean, um, by the time you came on, everything was really structured and it was large, large oh, yeah. in size. There were a lot of people. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think by the time you got there, there was probably 250, 300 people. Yeah, yeah. At least 200 people. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at one point we topped out at like 500 people, which is just insane. Yeah. But every one of those little units kind of worked independently, but cooperatively. Right. And so many of those little groups, I mean, if you think about like the Partner Weekly team, all of those people, super tight knit. 
Absolutely. Friends, I mean, if you think back to some of the like the holiday parties that we had, not even just the 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 corporate holiday party, but like, you know, we had friends in the group that would throw a holiday party that would still end up being 60 people. Yeah. And I just think that that is such an important piece of it because you know, if you're in especially in a business like that where it was growing so much that um you're going to end up spending a lot of time there. A lot of time, not just those eight hours a day. I mean, those some of those days would get long and a weekend mm-hmm. and an evening and this and that. You want to be able to enjoy the company of the people that you're there with. And not only that, like as you're you're building these personal relationships, it makes you want to do better at the company too, because you're not just in it for yourself. You're in it for that person next to you. You know, you're a rising tide lifts all boats, right? I mean, that's you, you want to see your friends do well and what's a good way of doing that. But, uh, you know, putting forth, putting forth your best effort. Yeah. And we worked in a tech environment, mm-hmm. but you could insert any company name oh, yeah. here in this conversation. Absolutely. You know, there's right now businesses are growing, you know, leaps and bounds. And, um, so you started, there's two people, mm-hmm. It's growing and you're, you are already building a culture. So you already have a relationship with the owner. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, as people come in, you're, you're maintaining those relationships. So how do you keep the culture that you had with two people and, um, and you're able to scale it to 200 people? It's interesting because not everybody is a fit for that either. You know, mm-hmm. some people, um, I know people that worked at Zappos and there's two, there's two different cultures at Zappos, whether, you know, the, everyone thinks of that, that super laid back, everyone just kind of does whatever the heck they want. Um, and that's great, but you know, there's still that other side of it. I, I knew some people that worked there that did not enjoy that side of the, you know, the free laid back party drinking and whatnot that goes on. They didn't enjoy that because they worked on the business side and, you know, they would, Zappos would have like a all hands meeting, which would take everybody out of the company for six hours on a Friday. And the people on the business side are like, dude, I still have a report that is due today, but yet it's a required all hands meeting. So not everybody that came in to selling source was a fit and, you know, figuring that stuff out and letting letting it evolve and kind of become its own thing. Each one of those little entities that was in there had its own little pockets and some were a little more corporate and some were a little bit more laid back. If you think about the, you know, in the back where the developers are, you know, the lights were never on and, and all of that stuff. But, you know, it's, it's important that you, when somebody new comes in, they're obviously going to kind of put their thumbprint on your culture uh, and you want that. You you don't want it to be a structured thing where you're going, nope, everyone has to be exactly like this. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And that person's not going to be comfortable. So, you know, I think it was a, a lot of it had to do with, um, with hiring and the hiring style. Um, you know, they brought in people and they would kind of interview them across a wide range of folks. It wasn't just one person doing an interview. And I think that that was important. Um Letting people know that it was a, look, we're a laid back company, you know, fast moving, doing a lot of fun stuff, cool stuff, big stuff. Yeah, we have deadlines, but at the same time, we're, we're a pretty chill, laid back place to work. 
And I think the, you know, the people that kind of stayed there for any longer than, you know, the, the, the normal turnover of folks that kind of come in and go, mm, nope, not for me. Uh, I think it was an easy, it was an easy environment to, uh, to have success. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think we ever really forced a, um, an environment on anybody. I think it was, it just kind of, when people came in, we, people went so far out of their way to make sure that people felt included. And, you know, we would, uh, at, we'd go to the bar like after work and have a beer with everybody. And, you know, I've, since I've worked in, uh, a re- for, I've worked remotely for the past 10 years, give or take. And that's one of the things that I say all the time is that I don't have that opportunity to just at the end of the day go, Hey, Cree, let's just go grab a beer. Yeah. Like, I don't have that. I can't do that. Like to go have a beer with a, a coworker is, you know, airlines and uh, hotels and a lot of work. So, uh, yeah, I think it was, I think that was a very easy one to do in that particular case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I also worked for Zappos and so Zappos has like, they have their core, their core values and they're defined. So that is a good comparison that you made because those defined core values worked, you know, they, it works for Zappos. Mm -hmm. But, um, I agree that with the selling source, it was, um, it was more organic. Yeah. When people came in, the culture shifted. Like we didn't have unlimited drinks in the break room. Right. You know, we didn't have like um, uh, foosball tables in the hallways. We didn't have any of that. Right. It was just the the people who were hired. And you're right. Everybody went out of their way to be welcoming. And then I think that just kind of nurtured the culture there. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Now, being in a tech environment, we also had some rough times that we had to go through. Oh, yeah. Layoffs and acquisitions. And there was a lot of that going on. You know, you know, we jumped from two people to 12 to 30 to 100 to the, you know, and um, some of that growth was fast, like really fast. And sometimes you grow faster than you should. And um, that company was making so much money that it was easy to just keep bringing people on. And you didn't necessarily have to worry about the other side of things like that, uh, you know, that bottom line, because there was so much money flying in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, stuff starts changing. Things were changing on the Internet and especially in our industry at that time. Um, and they had to tighten the belts. And then watching it go from a 500 person company to a 400 person <laughs> to a 300. Um, and that's about, that's about when I left. I was about a decade in, um, I worked, I actually worked there 10 years in one month. Exactly. And yeah, it was, that was a a harder thing to deal with was the downsizing. Yeah. And, uh, that's when I think some of the culture stuff, um, probably took its biggest hit too. And, some of the stuff, even even though it was a you know still trying to be a super laid back uh, environment, I think um, it uh, they had kind of brought in adults, and the the culture grew up along with it. And I think that's going to happen as mm-hmm. you as you kind of back off into uh, somebody. Somebody told me this term the other day. Uh, they didn't downsize; they right sized. Oh. What a terrible term. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, what is right and wrong, but yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I that was that was an interesting thing to watch and um you know I mean, I've said it before. That was a company where I worked there for 10 years and for nine years, I absolutely loved that job. I did not enjoy my final year there. And, you know, that's going to happen. You know, it wasn't the end of the world. I, I, I still look back on that fondly. I learned so much there and I made some lifelong friend relationships that are, I can't replace those. They're, you know, super valuable and, um, and business connections. You know, I, I do work now and I'm still getting contacted and that's, you know, it's almost 10 years ago and I'm still getting contacted by people. Hey, are you still doing this? And, you know, bring me on to do a small project. So yeah, you can't, you can't beat that kind of relationship building. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, um, you know, the, the culture there was fantastic. Mm -hmm. It was tumultuous at times, but everybody stuck together. Mm -hmm. And I think for any business, you realize that things are going to change. There's going to be ebbs and flows and, um, you know, how, how are you going to adjust? And particularly for you, how are you going to adjust as a leader of that organization? Yeah. You know, yep. I'd like for you to share, cause you, you touched on this earlier about having hard conversations with your team. Mm -hmm. And especially when you have these uh, friendships and, and closer relationships with your team, I think it's your style to have that type of a friendship, closer mm -hmm. relationship. So when things aren't going great, what does that sound like that conversation? You know, this is I, lately for the past um, almost year, I guess I've been having a growth call with uh, my team and it's just a 15 minute call. We, you know, we, um, we read from a book, we read, little, read some little snippets and then we talk about it. And a lot of those calls are about leadership and dealing with teams. And the one thing that I always go back to every single time is if you are coming at a conversation from a point of empathy you're always going to come out okay, always. So put yourself in the other person's shoes. Understand that, just think about the, whatever the topic is, it doesn't even matter. If you just think about how that topic is going to be received by them, how would you feel if it was you on the other side of that table? And if you can deliver the news, good or bad, in a way to where they're not going to be, they're not going to feel like they're being attacked and they're not feeling like they're being wronged and they're feeling like that their, their voice is being heard and their, um, their feelings are being considered. You're going to be okay. Like, it doesn't matter what that message is, as long as you can kind of come at it in a way where, you know, some of those conversations are hard and you have to maybe deliver some really bad news. Have you ever had to fire somebody? It sucks. It's horrible. It's yeah. horrible. It's the worst thing in the world. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be a friendship ender. Um, you know, sometimes things are just business and there's decisions made that you you may have had to play a part in that decision um but you know you may be having to make a decision for the 400 rather than the one at that particular point and as long again as long as you come from a place of empathy i think it's 
I think you can have pretty much any conversation with any person. Right. Also, with those those personal relationships, my experience too is um, people tend to know you better. Mm-hmm. So they know the business John, for example, versus the friend John. Yeah. You know? And when people know that friend side is going to be there regardless, mm-hmm. then you can have those business conversations yeah. and people can separate the two. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, especially with the people that uh, that I've – Anybody who I've ever managed, I've been very friendly with. I've had very few times where I've, um, you know, either been standoffish or had to be standoffish with with a, an, an employee. Um, yeah, as as long again, I I really try to keep it light and friendly um, because that's the environment that I want to work in. I don't. Mm-hmm. I want people to come to work and enjoy the fact. If you're going to be somewhere for more than a third of your day, you know, um, yeah, you should be. You should at least want to be there, or being there shouldn't be torture, mm-hmm. right? So, and and I think that you, as a manager, you can kind of set that and let everybody know that that's going to be the tone, and then when those tough conversations come up, they're going to understand that this is, you know, you're, you're still being friendly. Um, and that will continue long after this tough conversation. Yeah. I had a business partner. Um, you know him, uh, he and I, we got to a point where things in our business at that time, um, he kind of, he had other stuff going on in his life and he started getting busy with non-work stuff. And I was trying so hard to hold on to the relationship of he and I being business partners. And over, um, over the course of about six months, he drifted further and further and further apart, not just from me in business, but from everybody, from all of the friends and everybody. And it was especially hard on me because not only were we really close friends, because we literally talked every single day. Um, so it really, it hurt. Uh, it hurt to have this person just kind of falling out of my life. Um, on the friend side, that sucked. But what sucked worse was we were business partners. And so, you know, finally, one day I had to have a conversation with him where the conversation was, we can be friends or we can be business partners, but we can't be both. And um, he took it as he needed to. He he understood that this wasn't, this was me basically trying to save our friendship, was me saying, like, I love you, man. I, I want to be your friend. We just can't work together anymore. And um, we split ways. And, you know, there was probably uh, a, a couple of months where we just didn't really talk. Um, but then I think after some of that sting wore off, I would say we're as good friends now as we ever were. And that's way more important than the business that we were running. Mm-hmm. Screw that business. I don't care about that. Like I I want to know that I've got somebody who is going to be my friend for a long time and will have my back and somebody I know I can count on and rely on. Um, 
in that way. So will we work together again? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I don't know what the future holds. But I do know that um, I do like knowing that I could have a very hard conversation with that person and still come out of it on the other end as friends. Right. And I'm trying to think of, of any time I've had to have a hard conversation with somebody who I have a, you know, they know me personally mm-hmm. and you're right. It, it does. It may take a little while to get there, but things seem to come around. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because they know you because they yeah. know that you're not, you know, this isn't coming out of left field. You know, there, there's a reason we got to where we got to. And, you know, I think that's another thing is consistency. I think just being consistent in, in your message and the way that you handle things. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, if one out of 10 times somebody brings you a problem, you blow up, what are they going to do? Well, they don't want to come to you with 10 things, right? They're, so they're going to just maybe start those things that are maybe a little bit smaller. Maybe they're going to just go, I mean, I'm not going to tell the boss this one. And I always, like, if there's ever a problem, I want to know about it. And because knowing about it, we can solve it. Mm-hmm. And you want to have a team that feels comfortable being able to bring you the small stuff and the super big stuff. Yeah. So be consistent. Be consistent. Be empathetic. Yeah. And the one thing you haven't mentioned is forgive, right? Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, it's done. Yep. It's in the past. What are you going to do about it? Right. You know, you had this situation happen, but you're still open to the possibility that you could work together again. Sure. You know, who knows? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Important. I think, you know, again, it was, it was no hard feelings. And, um, you know, this was the, the other thing is, uh, I'll talk about, um, just not letting things fester. And I, one of the things that I've been really working on, I would say over maybe the past decade is getting to the hard part faster. And the the problem is, and I, I will tell you for certain that in that previous situation, I let it go too long. I let it go too long. And what happened was I started building up resentment and that is where stuff can come right off the rails, you know, and that's where you end up. Um, you let stuff bottle up and then one small thing becomes the, the tipping point and you basically give them both barrels and they're like, whoa, where did that come from? Right, out of the blue. <laughs> this is a, everybody hates surprises. You're like, I was 15 minutes late and that's what I got? Holy yeah, right, cow. Right? Um, but yeah, you know, again, be consistent and – and the rest will kind of work itself out. But So how do you know when is the right time? You just mentioned, you know, you mm-hmm. you let things go too long. Yeah. And I think we all have those situations, right? Yeah. Do you have something, um, some sort of a gauge? Or, I wish. Yeah. I wish. Mine is that resentment feeling. As soon as I feel that, yeah. I know. I'm like, okay. Probably a little too long at that point. Yeah. It's yeah. like, or I just, you know, I'm starting to pay more attention than I used to. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I need yeah. to say something. Yeah, you it's know. when you immediately start thinking that every small thing just is a big thing, and then you can kind of go, hmm, mm-hmm. maybe maybe that other thing is kind of bothering me more than I want to let on. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bigger issue going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Time for a chat. Yeah. So you mentioned you have growth calls. I want to hear more about these growth calls. Oh, man, this is best way to start a day. There is a book, the John Maxwell Daily Reader. And um, 
we get together and it's, uh, it's some, some days it's just two of us and some days there'll be eight of us on the call. And, um, so one of the guys will read the quote and it'll be a snippet from some sort of, uh, productivity book or leadership book or, or whatnot. And, um, so he'll read that snippet and then invariably somebody will have kind of a story or a situation that they've been in and they'll talk about it. And we'll talk about like, how do you handle a situation like this? How do you be more mindful in this type of situation? How do you deal with employees in that situation? And I cannot, I I cannot tell you how great these calls are. Like it's just having that. um, What I found was by having these calls, um, and by just having these conversations, first off, I've grown so close. Again, it's all about building relationships. I've grown so close to the people that are on that call because we've had people basically crack themselves wide open and bring something that was a very painful situation to them and throw it on the table and let people talk about it. And man, it's sometimes it's they're tough conversations tough conversations to have. But at the end of the day, it's almost, it's funny because we've talked about how sometimes they almost turn into a therapy session Mm -hmm. for one of the people on the call. And it's kind of this rotating thing. And it's funny too, because um, I've told a lot of selling store stories on that (laughs) call. (laughs) Lots of situations. Between that and my family's fish market, uh, I've got enough stories and situations to fill a growth call every day from now to the end of my life, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, if you have not checked out the John Maxwell Daily Reader, it's available on the Kindle. Man, it's so great. I, I, um, because we don't do the calls on the weekends, mm-hmm. I, I bought it. I'll just, I'll flip through and I'll just read it. Um, and we won't, I won't necessarily have a call about it, but it's just one of those ways of kind of, kicking your brain into gear in the Mm -hmm. morning. And what I found was once I started having these calls in the morning, my brain was already active and excited. So when I sat down at my desk to start work, because we do this call 15 minutes before work, I'd sit down at work and I'm like, let's go, let's Mm -hmm. go time. You know, as compared to sitting down and, you know, doing that first 30 minutes of, oh, what am I going to do today? Mm. Yeah. You have a routine and it's a positive way to start your day. Yeah. Um, how long the calls are 15 minutes, 15 minutes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It just doesn't take a lot of time, does it? Oh no. And you're, you're creating a safe, vulnerable sharing Mm -hmm. environment where you can, uh, work on those relationships, Yep. you know, and, and work through things together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. I, I, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. How many people were on the call? Sometimes two, sometimes eight. Yeah. I think, of, I think eight was about the most. And was it normally um, like leaders in your organization or your team? Uh, it was a little bit of everybody. It was mm-hmm. a mix of everybody. Yeah. It was kind of, it was open to the entire team. So, you know, whoever wanted to be on the call would be. We, it was interesting because we did have mainly um, managerial style employees being on the call. Um but a lot of times we'd have new people just uh, when when they first joined the joined the company they would jump on there and some would stay for around for a while and some would st- the you know the 
when, you, when you're going through these, after a while, some of the calls started to feel the same. Because how do you deal with this? Oh, we, we talk about empathy or we talk about, you know, those hard conversations. And so sometimes you would get into a rut almost and um, have almost the same conversation multiple times. And so some people would be like, uh, heard this one already. Mm-hmm. And they would bug out. No problem. Even if we were talking about something that was very, very similar Somebody would always say something. I would always walk out of there with some little nugget of, hmm, yeah, I, that's a good one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just chop, you know, stock mm-hmm. that one away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was good. I really yeah, it. that's such an important point that you brought up. Is um, you know, when people talk to me about leadership training, uh, yeah, of course I want you to come and learn from me. Of course, I own a <laughs> business and that's how I make money. But it would be silly of me to think that I'm the only person who can give you everything that you need. Yeah. You know, so absolutely. The more that you can expose yourself to and just pick those little pieces of information that are helpful. You know what else I do? Yeah. What? I do a um, mastermind call with a friend once a month and we just talk about business and it's an hour long And, uh, you know, it all started because he had reached out on Facebook to his entire group and he's like, I'm looking for some business advice. Does anybody have any that they want to give me? And I'm like, I love giving advice. Hell yeah, (laughs) let's do this. So I, I set up a call with him and, um, it was a 20 minute call and in 20 minutes, uh, I, I literally asked him one question and um, when he answered me, I I gave him a like about a five word answer, and that one five word answer just challenged the way that he was thinking about his situation. And it was such a small thing; it was it wasn't a big thing, but at the same time, like he had like this weird light bulb moment. Where he's just like, oh, yeah, I get that now. Hmm. And the other 15 minutes of the call was just us kind of catching up and just talking a little bit about life in general. And um, it was such a good call. Um, I was battling depression last year, um, leading into this year, pretty, pretty badly. And so was he. But I didn't know that at the time. Uh, so when he asked about the business advice, I was actually in a spot where I didn't feel like my voice or my recommendations held any weight whatsoever. And I didn't think they had any value. And I was, um, I also battle, uh, imposter syndrome. So I am constantly thinking in the back of my mind that at any given moment, my family and my friends and everybody that I have ever worked with is going to wake up and realize that I have no value and I know nothing and they're all going to just leave. So I battle that Mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, He had put that post out on Facebook at a time where I was at my lowest, just couldn't feel any worse about myself. And um, so when we got on that call, he asked me that question and I responded. I want to say that he basically brought me back 
on a path back in the opposite direction. So it's all a pendulum, right? When you're battling with all, all of this shit, it's just, it's a pendulum. It just swings one way and the other, and some days further one way than the other. And uh, when I was at my worst, he just asked that exact right thing. And it felt so good that um, he and I decided, like, let's let's just chat once a month for an hour. And so now we, we get on the call. And uh, he'll ask what I have going on, and then he challenges me every single time. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. Why? Why are you going to do that thing? What's your goal? What are you trying to get out of it? What's the motivation? Shit, I don't know. I didn't have thought about that. <laughs> right. I just wanted to do it. It <laughs> I sounds thought, cool. I thought it was going to be a neat thing. <laughs> um, having somebody challenge your ideas uh, is one of the most rewarding things and one of the one of the things that will kind of solidify what you're doing more than anything, mm-hmm. um, it, just even for if you're, especially if you're doing things by yourself, or if you're running a, a, a company by yourself, or just doing anything that's kind of on your own. Just having somebody that is like, oh, I got this idea, and if if you're doing it by yourself, if I if I have an idea, I just start doing it. And but having somebody go, wait a second how much time are you going to spend putting into this and what do you expect the outcome to be? Yeah. I didn't think about any of that. Um, okay, good, 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 good. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, we, and we just flip flop and it's great. So he'll ask me something and then we'll riff about that for a while. And then I'll ask him something and then we'll riff about that for a while. Just having somebody who, and the great part about this, he and I have no business interests together at all. We're not working on any projects together at all. And it's such a great – find somebody like this. Just find somebody outside of your industry who you can talk at a 5,000-foot level about a problem and just get somebody else's perspective. It's amazing. It's mm-hmm. um, Funny thing is, all of that – like the depression that I was battling. I'm not saying that this is the only thing that kind of brought me back. There are a lot of other things kind of played into it, but having somebody who would ask me questions and then challenge my answers, but then let me do the exact same thing in the opposite way was so empowering. It really gave validity to, to myself. Mm -hmm. It, it, It let, it let me feel validated and, uh, yeah, it was yeah, like super you, important. You really know what you're talking about. Every you, once you in know, a while. You, <laughs> right, yeah, if I, if I say enough words, something yeah, will stick, something right? Something will, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so important. Yeah. So somebody's feeling down. Mm-hmm. And I can totally relate to this, being a business owner, a, a solo entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Like I do a lot of my own work. I don't really, I don't have a team. Right. You know, I have people that I bring in, bring in and work with sometimes, depending on what's going on. And you do, you get those bouts of loneliness mm-hmm. and you have your family there and sometimes you have your friends, but sometimes that is just too close. Oh, without a doubt. You know, like I know for me, lots of times I'll need some support and I'll ask for it, but then I get defensive, mm-hmm. you know, right away. Yeah. It's because I'm too close. Yep. So yeah, I love that idea of reaching out. So for you, you know, you had somebody post something on Facebook mm-hmm. and so you were able to connect that way. Um, do you think that you were in the state of mind or, or had the courage to post something on your own? 
to to you know to something like Facebook? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I could have. And uh, you know, he and I actually had a chat about it afterwards and you know, I think he said that he was going through it for a while as well. And um it took him a long time to reach out for help. Reaching out for help is a really hard thing to do. It's a very humbling thing to do. Um I don't know that I was at the point where I was going to reach out. I will tell you that um, I did start talking about it and talking about the fact that I was battling depression. Um, just having conversations and even just saying those words was powerful and therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, I started, so for me, I actually found <laughs> it's weird what works and it's weird what makes you feel better. And, um, everybody's different and no two people are going to get the same benefit out of the same thing. But for me, um, hearing other people talking about their own depression and then talking about things that they were doing to try to help it. Uh, just hearing what other people were going through was very therapeutic because I got that, Oh, I have that thought too. Or, you know, that, that type of stuff goes through my brain. Um, I listened to a podcast called the hilarious world of depression And it is a gentleman who's a comedian who does interviews with other comedians about their clinical depression. And I don't want to say that it is a funny podcast because it's on a very, very serious subject. But these people talk about their situations that they've been through. And sometimes they tell some funny stories. Um, I mean, I've laughed listening to that podcast. I've cried listening to the podcast. And the one thing that I always take away from it is just that feeling of not being on an island and not being the only person going through this. Other people have. And for me, that was very therapeutic. And that really helped me kind of start that upswing again, yeah. back into back into not feeling the super depths. Yeah, because you just feel awful and maybe you don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and then you're listening to other people's stories and you start to make the connection. Yep. Because I'll say this too. I mean, I've known you long enough. You are a very positive person. You're a very happy person. Um, you know, you are a consistent person. This is the John that I know, mm-hmm. you know. I would not ever think for a minute that you would be battling imposter syndrome. Like, you know your stuff. You're, mm-hmm. in fact, you're, you're one of those people that if I don't know what to do or I reach out to you, mm-hmm. say, hey, John. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. You know, but I think that's something important to point out too. You yeah. know, we're all human. That's the brain for you. We all go through our own stuff. Yeah. You know, and just to keep an eye on and not be judgmental when you do hear mm-hmm. that people are having a tough time. Yeah. It's so, it's yeah. so funny. I, people that I know on Facebook and have known for a long time and, you know, look up to and go, oh man, these people really have their stuff together. And then they will post something and you're just like, oh, guy's got the same issues I've got. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And if you think about the news this year, like Anthony Bourdain, you know, uh, um, Kate Spade, mm-hmm. you know, these people who you look to be so successful, Yeah. you know, and things are not going great. Yeah. So and this is, I was, uh, 
when I was having those meetings, when I was having the uh, the calls, when I was really just at that point where I was really coming back, and I was feeling I, I'm, you're, you're never past it. You're never all the way past it. Mm-hmm. I mean, your brain is always like one thought away from just like plunging you right back into the depths. And, um, and that happened to me earlier this year where I was, I was actually noticing, man, I, I'm feeling pretty good. Like this is, this is what normal should feel like. And I'm, I'm feeling okay. And then I did, I made a mistake at work and, uh, I missed the deadline and it was no big deal. Like literally big scheme of things. I didn't send somebody a style guide. That's it. Oh, wow. I know. And it was like I fell off a cliff. I went from being at the highest high to making one mistake and then being all the way back to square one. And was this self-imposed? Like you? Oh, 100%. Okay. So nobody came down on you that you missed the deadline or? I mean, it was just somebody like, mentioned man. it. They're like, hey, you know, you should have done this thing. And, you know, it, that should have gone out on, on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's totally my bad. And then my brain just spiraled. Yeah. Have you um, battled this for a long time? Depression? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so this is this is something that now you know about yourself. and. Yeah. And I think, uh, and again, but it's probably something I've never said out loud mm-hmm. uh, within other than maybe the last two years. Right. So, well, I commend you for talking about it and opening up about it. It's so important, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, getting getting the help that you need and recognizing when you need it. Thanks. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, now where do we go from here? I know, right? Sorry, way to bring it down, (laughs) John. No, I'll tell you. I one thing that I really respect in people is when they can get so vulnerable. It's mm-hmm. something that for a very, very long time in my life, um, I, I just couldn't do. I always felt like I had to be strong. I always felt like I, you know, I didn't, um, want to show people that I had a quote unquote weakness, right. you know, what I perceive to be a weakness. Especially when you're running a business. Yeah. Or you're, or you're somebody or you're anybody where people depend on you. Yeah. It could be any role you have. Yeah. You know, and, um, but man, when I see that in other people and it's, and for me personally, that moment when I realize, you know what, vulnerability is a strength mm-hmm. and just yeah. to be able to say the words could save a life. I mean, yeah. that's what it boils down to saying mm-hmm. the words and recognizing it or sharing your story, you know, to me can, can is a safe, is a safe place yeah. and a strength, yep. you know, so. And again, if you think about that, going back to having a team, you know, being part of a team and running a team uh, and being in that leadership role, um, you know, it's because we had those friendship style relationships, we could have a conversation and people would know that, uh, you know, not everything's going great. So-and-so is going through a divorce or, um, you know, whatever it just... People have situations outside of work and, you know, vulnerable. Yeah. Being vulnerable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, letting other people know that it's, it's all right that, uh, you know, you don't have every single thing in order. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. It would be really not a lot of fun. 
I would think dealing with somebody where you like, if somebody's on your team and you only interact with them at work and it's just a boss employee style, I don't think that's like, how much fun would that be uh, for either party? Like it just wouldn't be. And so, yeah, I just think having that, that rigidity is just not the way to go. Yeah. It's just certainly not my style. And I, I wouldn't, uh, I know I wouldn't do well in a company where that was their line. Yeah. Ugh. So prior to working at Selling Source, that mm-hmm. was, that was kind of the environment I worked in. Mm. And so, so sorry. well, it was, it was just different. It was, um, it's always different in the tech environment because, you know, I mean, sometimes you work in a room full of, of, uh, geeks for, you know, for the best word I can think of. Mm-hmm. And that's just what they're passionate about, Yeah, you know? And so the environment that I worked in wasn't a bad one. It was just one that was, was more work focused. Everybody mm-hmm. just wanted to talk about their projects and like, you know, the, the, the geeky things that they were working on. And I guess for me, I just couldn't relate you know, at that level. Yeah. But when I went to go work at the selling source, it was, um, well, this is really weird. People want to like be my friend. <laughs> you know, how do I even handle yeah. this? Yeah. You know? And, uh, but yeah, would, without a doubt, one of the, one of the uh, most memorable best working environments because of those relationships. Yeah. You absolutely. Know, it still exists today. Yep. You know, and will, you know, I believe for the rest of my life, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because since then, I don't know that I've had, I've worked in a similar environment. So, I don't know if you know this, but I used to work at my family's fish market. And yeah, I hear, I'm glad you brought this up because I've heard like little snippets okay. of this. When This is when you were growing up. Yeah. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I dropped out of school. You know that? I don't know if you know that. I think I might have known that. Yeah. I now dropped, that you mention it. I dropped out in ninth grade. Yeah, I, I think I knew yeah. this. So I went, yeah. went to ninth grade a little and then dropped out. So when I was 16, I started working at my family's fish market full-time, um, moved out of the house and, and all of that. So I've been I've been kind of caring for myself for, for quite a while. Quite a while. Holy crap, I'm old. Um, I was just <laughs> thinking about that. That's a lot of years. Jeez. Um, I think about the managerial style of – Working, so I worked with my family for ten years, and um, my grandfather, who's now passed away, grandfather, my uncle owned it, and we had like a dozen family members working there, sometimes all at the same time, Um, and that was a very difficult situation because that was a lot. That was some hard work. That was that was moving. You know, standing on your feet, working in some busy time all the time. And, uh, you know, that was tough because, you know, we would work with our family and then come the holidays, you know, at the end of the work day, do you want to go to a holiday party and hang out with, (laughs) you know, with your family? Um, so, but the, the managerial style was so interesting. And, um, going back to, to those growth calls, when I tell stories about, um, obviously love my grandfather, love my family, but they weren't necessarily great business owners. Now that business 
has been around for more than 40 years. And I will still say to this day, they were not and are not good at running a business. <laughs> and that's crazy to me. Like, this, you know, if, if I tell you that a business has been around for 40 years, you go, ah, oh, that's a really successful, well-run business. Nope. It's kind of successful in spite of itself, yeah. which is a weird thing. And, but here's the thing, their managerial style, whatever it was, um, when I left there, I went to work for a software company and the boss that I had at that software company was so amazing. Like it was almost like fairy tale level differences here. And I was so thrown off by it at first because of what I had come from before. And so I came from a situation where I worked at a place for 10 years and I can count on one hand the amount of times anybody ever said, thanks, man. Good job. I left there and started working at a software company where at the end of the day, I walked in to the the president's office as I was getting ready to leave. And I said, hey, Ken, heading out. I'll see you tomorrow. He turns around out of, you know, he's sitting in his computer. So he's back to me when I turns around, stands up. Hey, Johnny, great job today. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. And I was just like, whoa. I bet that just blew your mind. What a difference. Yeah. And I think about those two things. And they first off, they were so polar opposite so polar opposite that, um, you know, those two jobs, I worked at one for 10 years. I worked at one for about three. Um, but even still just those, those two jobs and those two managerial styles really impacted the way that I manage down the line. I can take, even though there were so many negative things that kind of went on at that first job, I was still learning a ton and learning what you don't like or what you don't want to do and don't want to emulate is just as important as learning what you do. And if you're going to be a good manager, you can't always have just come from like a perfect situation that doesn't fly because that's not the real world. Like you're not going to always have employees that just show up on time. You're not going to have employees that tell you the truth all of the time. You're not going to have coworkers who are looking out for your best interest. And you need to be able to navigate all of that and be able to handle it and then be able to spin that into something that is going to be a viable product moving forward. Mm -hmm. And man, I, for as crazy as those couple of jobs were, both of them. I mean, they were both kind of crazy in their own ways. Uh, they're so important. And I think of the selling source the exact same way, uh, being there for a decade and all of the things that I learned about, because when I, when I first started at selling source, I was just building websites and building mm -hmm. stuff. So, and then I moved up into that, those managerial situations. So, so much of that stuff I was learning on the job. Right. And, yeah, like I think, um, what's the, there's a, there's a saying about how you are the, um, you know, your personality is basically like the, the combination of the five people that you hang out with. And I think about that in business too. The 
the people that you learn from are your managers. And just because a situation isn't great doesn't mean you can't take super valuable pieces of information and then turn that into and mold that into what you want to be as a manager. Yeah. Are you still learning? Always. I mean, that's why I love leadership and manage, you know, management. Yeah. And Every single day. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I just was telling somebody the other day, I said, I, uh, I took on a project that, um, I said, well, I'll never do this again. <laughs> right. And it was completely my own doing. I, I told a client I would do X and, um, and it wasn't like it was a hard thing. It wasn't it, just, I realized that I'm not going to deliver to this client something that I'm going to be super proud of. And it's because of the situation I got myself into with the particular, what I promised. And I still got it done and the client's happy. It's not a matter of them not being happy. It's just, I realized that that particular offering was a stupid thing to offer. (laughs) Um, And again, you have to learn the what not to do to learn what to do. Mm -hmm. You have to. Yeah. We've learned a lot about your leadership style today. If you could summarize what your definition of leadership is, what you think you know, uh, the traits that a leader should have, what would that be? Oof. Traits in a leader. Empathy. First. Mm-hmm. Every time. It's my favorite word when it comes to leadership. It really is. Um, empathy. Compassion. Uh, consistency. Trust. Giving and receiving of trust. Um, humility not being the one who has to take the credit for stuff, shining a light on the people around you, I think is probably the most valuable thing you can do right up there, right near the top. Um, I think those are signs of good leadership. Yeah, I like it. John, thanks so much for coming on today and sharing your story. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is awesome. Yeah. I'm so grateful for the insight John shared in this episode. To get in touch with or learn more about John, including information about the Hawk Talk podcast, visit VegasGeek.com. You can also check the show notes for links to all things covered in today's episode. Before we say farewell, if you know someone who exemplifies leadership, we like to learn about them. Head to leadershiplookslike.org forward slash contribute to nominate a leader. And you never know, they could be invited to be a guest on our show. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. Thanks as always for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode.